Praise God. We're in a study in the book of Acts. Tonight I want to entitle this message, Expanding Boundaries. How many of you are ready to expand your boundaries? How many of you are sure about that? Because it's never easy, nor is it comfortable. We're talking about growth. There's growing pains with growth. Expanding boundaries means there's more responsibility to take care of, right? And so God is expecting the church to expand its boundaries, and that's happening in the book of Acts, and I believe it's happening in this day and hour. Many of us are clawing to maintain what we have, what we know, and what was when God is trying to expand the kingdom. That may cause some upheaval. It may wreck what is status quo, but God has to do that to expand the kingdom of God and expand his people. We're going to take a look at that in Acts chapter 13, and so let's begin there. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, and who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Now, this is after Barnabas and Saul took the collection to Jerusalem for finance and money. They come back, they're worshiping again, they're back in their home church, that church in Antioch, which is now that outreach post that uh, was no longer the Jerusalem church. It seems like God is speaking to this church that's beginning to expand. And he says, call to me, uh, set apart for me, that word set apart is the same word sanctify. Set apart to me, uh, Saul and Barnabas. For what? Say it again. Say it again. The work. Say it again. I need you very confident. For the work. There is a work. For the work to which I have called them. This is going to come in to a very important point later on in this story. They are called to a work. Okay? And we're going to take a look at that. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. You can see it there. And uh, from Seleucia, they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of the Lord in the synagogue to the Jews Oh, and by the way, they had John to assist them. It's just Luke just throws that in. John who? Does anybody know? John Mark. John Mark. Who is this John Mark you speak of? Yeah, Barnabas's nephew, right? And uh, does, does anybody remember who his mother is? We studied this last week. His mother is the one who owned the house in Jerusalem. Okay? So you remember Mary's house where they were praying and, and Peter escaped prison and came to the house? Right? That was the same house that they celebrated and the day of Pentecost was in. Some believe it was probably the house that they had 
Last Supper in. It's a house that Mary, a wealthy woman, had in Jerusalem. Happens that her brother is Barnabas. And Mary's son is John Mark, which is Barnabas' nephew, who later on is going to write what? The book of Mark. So this guy, this young guy, he's a young guy. He's engaged in all this stuff. He was younger when he was seeing Jesus and the Twelve in the upper room. And they leave that upper room after a meal. He's at his mother's house again, and there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's a prayer meeting going on at his mother's house, and they're praying for Peter's release, and Peter returns. A lot of activity in that house. All right? Now, Barnabas, we know, is a Levite. Therefore, John Mark was a Levite, born of the priestly line. Okay? And so he's familiar with uh, Judaism and he's familiar with Jesus. And so Barnabas says, come on, Mark, we're going on a trip. Why would they bring John Mark? We'll get into that in a little bit. But who was called to the work? Saul or Paul and Barnabas, right? They were separated out, called to a work. And so they're going to go on their first missionary journey they're going out to do a work and they say hey John Mark we need you come along he's there to assist them now uh, it's important to realize that that word assist what does that mean well someone needed to carry the bags is that all he was there are some scholars that believe basically that's what that word means that word has a wide range of meaning It could simply mean assist or help someone. It can also mean all the way to the place of being an interpreter or taking notes and a scribe, the one who handles the books that they take with them. Paul would often make reference in the Old Testament. He would have his scrolls. Do you remember when he's in prison? What does he say to Timothy? Bring my scrolls and parchments. And that would have been what John Mark would have been in charge of. The word in the, in the Greek is uh, hyperites, and it means an interpreter or a scribe. Young John Mark must have come from a wealthy family because his mother owned a house in the middle of Jerusalem, and his uncle was Barnabas who had money to sell. Priests don't have property. Okay? This guy did. Don't know how he got it. He might have inherited it. It might have been given to him. But this Levite had property. Levites weren't given property typically. They were taken care of because they were of the priesthood. So he had money to sell and give to the church. Mary had enough money to have a house in the place. This guy, John Mark, was brought up in an affluent home. Why do I say all this? He was educated. They brought John Mark with them because when people in synagogues were, were, were converted, when they were being taught something, they needed a catechism. They needed someone to train them. That would have been the scribe's job. Paul and Barnabas are teaching and preaching, and so then Mark is the one who is 
writing it down or translating for them in some of the languages of the people where they're going or gathering the few that were there to learn more about it. He was being instructed in the ways of the Lord and teaching. He wasn't just some tag-along kid. Okay? You with me? All right. So, Mark is assisting them. He's with them. And it says, when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. The word B-A-R means son of, right? Uh, Bar-Jonas, Bar-Jesus, John and James, Bar-Zebedee, son of Zebedee. All right, so that's what Bar means. This is the uh, Bar-Jesus would be the son of Joshua. Jesus is Greek. The Jewish name for Jesus is Joshua. Very common Jewish name. Did you know Jesus had a common Jewish name? He was Joshua, Yeshua, which means Jehovah's salvation. He's the only one that really fit. <laughs> he was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a very important man, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Paul and sought to hear the word of God. Come tell me about this. Right? So he's there, and uh, Elimaeus, the magician, who is this Bar-Jesus guy, and that's the meaning of his name, he's a magician, he's a false prophet, he opposed Saul and Barnabas, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Saul, who had also been called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? All right, so why did he say Paul was full of the Holy Spirit before he made that comment? What do you think? Exactly need to understand this was a spirit discerned thing sees this guy he's a local prophet guy local money maker the local magician probably decked out in like uh, crystals and astrological signs and some kind of wild hairdo or whatever to make himself look real special he had people tricked man he's jewish but he you know he was the magician the trickster and he's telling Sergius not to believe Saul and Barnabas. And he's ready to go toe-to-toe with Paul. So Paul, being meek and timid, backs down. He's scared. No, he's full of what? Not afraid. How about you? How many of you? How many of you are ready to back down, back away? How many of you are afraid? Spirit of fear is gripping this land right now. How many of you are afraid? What are you afraid of? See, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, what are you afraid of? You afraid to die? Let me just put it right out there. How many of you are afraid to die? I don't want to die. You're dead already. You died at the cross. But I wanted to, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I always had this, I want to have kids first, I want to get married first before I die, you know, and then I want to see my kids grow up, I don't want to die with them without me. I mean, I, that's a real thing, isn't it? That's okay. But ultimately, are we willing 
Paul wasn't afraid of this guy. I don't care what kind of magic tricks you got. I don't care how much power you have. I don't care what you're going to do to me. David was that way with Goliath, wasn't he? Everybody else is ready to to hold him back. And he's the only one who's upset. What is this uncircumcised Philistine saying these things about our God and nobody cares? Little David, he goes out there to fight. Again, filled with the Spirit is where your courage will come from. Amen? So he calls him out. He says, you deceitful son of the devil. (laughs) Why do you make crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now he goes on, he says, and now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. What does he put on him? Blindness. He puts blindness on him. Did this magician, this sorcerer, know the way of Jesus? He was blind already, wasn't he? So what Paul said is, he's just going to manifest the blindness of his heart in his life. For a time, for a season, that's, that's gracious. Just for a while. He's going to have him walk in the way that he's blocking. He's, he's blocking the light of the gospel. And he's going to blind him. And he makes him blind. You'll be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Ah, oh, somebody, I'll be on. Oh. Now, how would you respond to that? I think I'm going to listen to what Paul has to say. Because who is this guy? He's the sorcerer. He's the magician. He's the one with the juju power. And now someone else came in. You see, you have to think about the way these people thought. Authority over authority. One authority over another authority. This man owned the town. He had spiritual power. He was known as the sorcerer, the magician. Someone else comes into town, right? Bigger than him. Bad, bad Leroy Brown. Baddest man in the whole town. Don't mess around with him, right? Till Slim came to town. Slim came into town. Now the song changed. Good. That's good. Yeah. Because we're talking about seeing and being blind. I think Luke wrote this and put this story. I'm sure there were, it says they went all over Cyprus till they ended up in this town. I'm sure he had testimony after testimony. A lot of good stories to tell. But as we're going to look at this, I believe that as God is expanding the boundaries of the church and the boundaries of Paul and the boundaries of Barnabas, the boundaries of John Mark, he's now expanded the boundary lines of this magician, right? That this is an illustration and a picture of Israel. 
Because what we're going to see happens is Israel or the Jews are rejecting the gospel. And Paul's moving on. And this guy is blind. And I believe Israel is blind to the gospel and wouldn't receive it. Immediately, uh, then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Okay, so now you have the proconsul who was kind of hemming and hawing, and then this false guy, Elimaeus, uh, was uh, trying to rob him of salvation. Paul rebukes him. He goes blind, and this guy goes, okay, I'm, a, I'm in. I believe. So God still does amazing supernatural things, do you believe? How many of you, for you, it was just a matter of your eyes being opened, the scales fell from your eyes, and you realized, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Okay? Yeah. So, we were all in darkness. Now this guy's getting put in darkness. So, can you imagine seeing that? What if you're about 20, 21, and you're along with Paul and Barnabas and you understand Judaism, and he's teaching this Jesus as Messiah, the fulfillment. You do believe Jesus rose from the dead. And, and then there's something happening here. There is a showdown between evil and good. Between It's a spiritually discerned thing. So we've got some dramatic presentation going on. Lucas is isolating this situation, I believe, because he wants to illustrate for us this blind, now blind man. This is what Israel was. Israel's Savior came. Israel rejected it. Israel rebukes who, who the Messiah was, and a blindness has come over them. So uh, Paul and his companions then, uh, after this man accepts the Lord, the proconsul accepts the Lord. Now, uh, Paul and his companions set sail to Paphos and come to Perga in Pamphylia. So they go up now from the island of Cyprus. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. Now that's way up north. Now again, this aside, this side little comment, John Mark left. Why? Why leave at this point? Aren't, you know, he was in for the trip. Why did John Mark leave? What, what's some speculation? What do, you, what do you think? To go tell what he saw. That's a positive spin. So if someone goes to work with Katrina's mission, and they said, I'm here all night, and, and an incident occurs, and they leave and say, I got to go tell someone what just happened. How would you feel? So, it's, he's in over his head. He figures, I better cut my losses. I better get out of here. I don't want to make a bigger fool of myself. Or this is just beyond me. I can't get into this. Has anybody here ever quit something that you felt was, I can't do this? Anybody quit for something you, you just feel you can't do? You feel you're kind of saving yourself from more shame and pain. He wanted to go back home to mom and put his feet up on the couch, okay? Scary. I mean, they're taking boat rides to Cyprus. How Jewish is the island of Cyprus <laughs> and Perga? 
You're running into demonics and you're preaching in synagogues and there's Gentiles and yeah, so he's being introduced to spiritual warfare, to the gospel going all over the world. I don't know if he realized what he was signed up with. He's, Bruce is going, come on, kid, the guy, this guy's he's strong, he's intellectual, it's time to go home. All right, let's see what the Bible says a little bit about it. Acts 15, 38, there came a time after, uh, after they finished their first trip and and have the Jerusalem council, they're ready to go out again. And in Acts 15, Paul thought best not to take with them the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Okay, so Paul uses a word, and in the English we see it as he had withdrawn from them. But if you look into the Greek, you'll see that that word means an apostate or a deserter. So it wasn't that it was time for him to go or they, they said, you know, we need to lighten the weight in the boat, let's pick straws, or I know you want to go see your mom. Paul calls him a deserter. It's harsh. It's a harsh word. It's an accusation. I am not taking him with us again because he deserted us in the middle of our trip. Uh, and it says, he, because he had not gone with them to the work. To the work. Acts 14, 26 to 27. Here's another thing. And from there they sailed to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them, and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So, scholars believe that Mark deserted the team. He left too early for one of two reasons. One was he was freaked out. It was in over his head, couldn't handle it, I'm out of here. The second possibility is this, that what was the work they were called to do? Well, preach the gospel to Gentiles. And, I, and so scholars think that it is, at, it is this issue, quite possibly, that Mark couldn't get on board with. He, that he wasn't ready to minister to Gentiles. It's freaky out there. The Gentile world, all their false gods, all their demons, all their images, and you want me to go? And he's, you know, there, there are times where they're being kicked out of cities. They're being persecuted. And I think Mark was over his head, and he didn't finish the work they were called to. What were they commended for? The work that they had did, had done by opening a door of faith to the Gentiles. That's the work they were called to. And so Mark didn't feel he could do that work. Stay separate, away from them. That's a, a good point. We on this side of 2,000 years don't understand the dynamic they're working with. Remember when God told Peter, go eat all these unclean animals? No way! No way. God had to do it three times to tell this guy, what I call clean, don't you call unclean. This is not an easy thing for the church to adjust. God is expanding their what? 
boundaries, their faith. Well, interestingly enough, Peter later takes Mark on as his assistant. Yeah. He got caught in it, didn't he? So Paul and Barnabas got into such a fight over bringing John Mark or not, it actually split up their partnership. Paul and Barnabas say, I've had it with you. It says that the argument was so contentious that Paul and Barnabas split. We're not talking about, oh, he's just a young whippersnapper. He's just kind of scared. Paul didn't feel that way. Paul said, this guy is an apostate deserter. Now, Paul's intense. <laughs> and what is Barnabas called? The encourager. Did he encourage Mark? Yeah, he eventually encouraged Mark. He took Mark, and guess where they went back to? Cyprus. Little nephew thing here. But Paul's all business. I can't put up with this. I need someone reliable. So he brings Titus to do what Mark did, his interpreter and scribe. But wait a minute. Who called Paul and Barnabas to partner? The Holy Spirit. God. What kind of an argument is this where these two, being called by God, quit on each other? How strong of an argument is this? This is what you call a church split. Right? You ever been there? Ever seen that? It's horrible. These two were called to a work, and that work was split up. Paul went on to continue doing it, and what did Barnabas do? Ministered to the one who failed. Beautiful. We need people like that. And there's always this argument, who was right, Paul or Barnabas? Yes. <laughs> Life is not that easy. All of us want a right and a wrong, a right and a wrong. Where would Mark have been if Uncle Barney didn't say, let's go back to Cyprus where you split on us. Let's look at this again. Let's take this on. He restores Mark. Mark becomes Peter's scribe and walks with Peter all those years. So much so that he writes the gospel of Peter. We call it the gospel of Mark. He didn't invent it. It's all Peter's story. The gospel of Mark is Peter's story. How does he know it so well? He was his scribe. He wrote it over and over. He would go wherever Peter went, telling the gospel of Jesus. Mark wrote it down and finally put it together. And the last days of Paul's life, he writes to Timothy and he says, bring me my parchments, bring me my papers, and bring me Mark, who is what? He, he is a value to me. Full restoration. Takes time. Can God restore broken relationships? Yeah, absolutely. Takes time. Now, but let's go back. Distractions. Let's go back to that point. Paul and Barnabas... Um, needed that person to be a scribe and to write and to help uh, 
catechize. That word catechize means to train new converts. And halfway through their trip, they lose an essential team member. Now they've got to do what they're going to do without someone they had planned on being there. How would that make you feel? You've got a job to do. You're laying cement. One of your guys says, you know what? I don't like this block. I'm out of here. How would you feel about that? <laughs> That's why I picked on you, Paul. <laughs> I call you Paul because he was ticked. All right? Now, watch this, though. Here's the other reason some say that it possibly changed. Look at verse 9. But Saul, who was also called Paul, there's a shift in this chapter. Something shifts between Barnabas and Saul. It's no longer Barnabas and Saul. It is Paul. Paul rebukes the magician. Look at verse 13. Now Paul and his companions set sail. Who was part of his companions right here? Barnabas. There is somehow a shift in the dynamic of this duo. Who went and got Saul? Barnabas. Who taught Saul at Antioch and took him under his wing? Barnabas. We see them go on this journey, and now as they're preaching, it's no longer Saul, it's Paul. And now Luke makes reference of Paul first, and Paul and his companions. Some say that may have taken Mark out, that Uncle Barney is no longer the head cheese. This guy, this hard-nosed Paul, is in charge. You ever serve somebody you don't like? Don't look at me that way. <laughs> but do you see there's a shift here? Something's going on. Now what happens? Now Paul and his companions set sail. They go up to Antioch. John Mark left them. They went on from Perga, came to Antioch, and on the Sabbath day they went into the synagogue, sat down. After the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue uh, sent a message to them saying, brothers, give us an exhortation. See, in any synagogue in this day, if there was a visitor from another land, they wanted them to share news. Give us news and information. They didn't have the latest right Instagram account. They didn't have newspapers. They, did, they didn't know what's going on around the world. Here's two Jewish guys come from, where'd you guys come from? Oh, Antioch? Okay, well, what's going on? And so, who stood up? Paul. Who's taking authority over this duo? Paul. So Paul stands up and he preaches. Now, I'm not going to go into what he preaches. This is... The gospel according to Paul. It would do you well to read it. This is Paul's gospel, okay? And so we take it on. What are the results? Verse 43. And after the meeting uh, at the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. 
The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. Who else did that? Jesus Bar-Jesus. Bar Earlier in the story on Cyprus, who did this exact same thing? That magician guy. Remember? He began to contradict what Paul had spoken. It's a repeat story. That's why I believe Luke put it in there in the first story on Cyprus. Now they moved on. They're having great opening doors and the Jews do it again. Paul says this. He, he says, just as the prophets say, um, Isaiah uh, I have made, well, I'll just keep reading. Uh, and Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, the Jews, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For the Lord had commanded us saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Now that is a quote from Isaiah 49. Paul is saying, that's us. And he's saying it, that's the church. That's all of us. This is a repeat. And so what is he telling the Jews who are opposing him? Go away. We're the light, you're blind. You're in darkness. He's expanding the boundaries of the church. Okay? I'm going to conclude. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. How about that? Such an outpouring that the whole region's being changed. The whole city shows up. It splits those who want to be saved from the Jews who say no. Paul rebukes them, in essence, like he did to the magician, blinds them, tells them get lost. And they begin preaching to the Gospels and people are getting saved. Sure could have used John Mark now. People are getting saved. Everybody's getting saved. Now they're mad they begin to stir up persecution against them. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Who was filled with joy in the Holy Spirit? What disciples? Just Paul and Barnabas? What believers? From that city. Okay. Paul and Barnabas, the two of them, move on. But there's a whole city who's filled with the joy of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. I don't know how long he was in that city. But they got filled with the Spirit. They received Jesus. 
and a church was established. Expanding the boundaries. Now the church is growing. Now, he sh they shook the dust off their feet. What, what, is, what is that? What does that mean? They just... Jesus said that, didn't he? What does it mean? What is it a sign of? Pilate did something very much like that. What did he do? I'm not coming against you. I'm not cursing you. I'm not doing nothing. But we gave you the word. You reject it. Let's move on. How many of you can do that? How many of us hold on to bitterness, hold on to grievances, hold on to want to fix this, get this right, get justice, this and that? You know what? Time is short. We don't have time for this anymore. Some of you need to start dusting off your feet with relationships from some folks, with situations, with still clamoring and, and chewing on each other in, the, in that situation. I've been through some bad situations. I, I, I got accused of things 35 years ago. I lost my license to preach because I was accused of things and this and that. It took me a good five years to not just chew on that over and over. Anybody ever been there? You're just like, I was so injustice. That was so wrong. I, I'm just going to, I don't like this. And it, I had to work through that. It hurt. It's painful. It's painful. Yeah. How many of you have ever been divorced? You don't have to raise your hands. But gone through a divorce. It hurts. How, you know, is there vengeance? Is there justice? Is there that? Should I have done something different? How do we do this? You go round and round and round and round. But you know what? There's a time when God says, how long will you mourn this situation? Let's shake the dust off. You have a life moving forward. Redeem it. Saul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, this thing fell apart. They shook the dust off of the, the collapse of it and later value each other. The question is, was John Mark bummed out? He, you know, he believes that John Mark really was. I would agree with that 100%. And if you look at the structure of Mark's gospel, what the emphasis of Mark's gospel is, you'll see the life of what Mark went through in the formation of how he put Peter's gospel together. Throughout the gospel of Mark, the gospel of Mark is the most um, advanced gospel in reaching the nations. If you look at Mark, Jesus sails across the, the lake to the Gentiles, then he sails back the lake to the Jews. Then he goes back to the Gentiles and meets the demons in the, in the uh, uh, cemetery. Then he goes back and ministers here. Then he goes back and ministers to Gentiles. Feeds 400, he feeds 500, 5,000 Jews. And he crosses the river to the Gentile area. He feeds 4,000 Gentiles. So Mark has set up his gospel after going through all of this to realize, hmm, I guess we were supposed to go to the Gentiles. And so if, if you'll read that, I, I would encourage you to, to look at Mark's gospel again. There's so many decisions that are about to be made tonight and tomorrow among all of us. I pray that as you're expanding our boundaries, 
that God, we'd shake the dust off the things we need to get rid of. We would embrace the new boundaries that you're taking us to. We wouldn't quit, even though it's scary. We would go to where you're opening doors and expanding our lives. So help us, strengthen us, and use us. In Jesus' name, amen.